0: Yo, so what's going down people? It is um, day 9 of the BFI 63rd London Film Festival It has, yeah, I think today was, was a mess I crashed, I crashed hard But we've got a film um, So we're looking at Le Mans 66 Otherwise known as Ford v Ferrari um, yeah, I, I have no clue about the whole name change, no name change It's confusing, but yeah, it's known by either one of those titles So we got that And I had the pleasure of sitting down with um, Natalie Bencherry Who is the director of Nocturnal, co-founder of Feline Films We had a good chat, um, I think it was yesterday, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun, so you get to hear that here in today's episode, so um, enjoy people, enjoy. Okay, so I have just come out of a screening of Le Mans 66, um, otherwise known as Ford v Ferrari, so, this is um, a film directed and produced by James Mangold. Um, also in the producing chairs are Peter Chemin and Geno Topping. It was written by Jez and John Henry Butterworth, along with Jason Keller. And the film stars Matt Damon, Christian Bale... Katerina Bailiff, John Burnfall, Tracy Letts, Josh Lucas, Noah Jupe, Remo Giannono, and Ray McKinnon. Uh, music was by Marco Beltrami, and the cinematography is Theodon Pap Pap Michael. Uh, so, um, the gist of the film is this, okay? Being forced to quit a highly decorated motor racing career for health reasons, Carol Shelby Damon turned to car designing. A legend in this world, having been one of the few Americans to win the gruelling 24 hour marathon at Le Mans. Shelby was hired by Ford Motor Company Who were looking to rejuvenate An out, um, an outmoded brand And build a race car Capable of taking on world champions Ferrari While Shelby had the American charm That Ford wanted associated with their brand They weren't so sure about Shelby's favoured driver The notoriously ill-tempered Limey Rebel, Ken Miles, played by Bale. Working from an excellent script by Jez and John Henry Butterworth, Jason Keller, and the director himself, Mangold hooks you from the first sense and never lets go. He's brilliant at burning up the tracks with dynamic hair-raising race scenes while engaging us with the moving exploration of a friendship that fought corporate interference to build a revolutionary car that gave Ford a racing chance at Le Mans in 1966. It's a thrill to see a fearless driver strapped inside an elegantly designed tin car. And... Though this is an absolute must for car enthusiasts You don't have to be a racing fan to care about those Putting their lives and reputations at risk An instant classic Le Mans 66 is a buddy movie with heaps of old school Hollywood charm Right So, um yeah, it's an you know, it's an interesting one because you know, I remember when Senna came out and everyone was just like, Oh my gosh, this is a masterpiece. But like I do struggle with racing stuff because I can't drive. I'll never be allowed to drive. So I really have no interest in cars whatsoever. Like I sometimes take a look at Formula One, but You know, I don't really care To be honest with you But, um, I think It's just the people involved in this film That piqued my interest And, um, yeah, it's interesting Like, we start off With, um, you know, Shelby racing at the Muns. So that's how we start everything off. And you know, the conditions aren't great. It's in it's at night, he's racing, and um, you know, he starts having some sort of palpitation. Then we go to the doctor's office where it's like, yo, your heart, you know, what I mean? you you've gotta stop. You just gotta stop. So I think from those scenes you realise how invested Shelby was, you know, you you realize how important racing was to him. Because at one point he just tells the doctor, ah, "It doesn't matter. I'll be able to get through. I'll just take more tablets." And I was like, "No, you will die." You know, so yeah, I think that's in, an an interesting um way to start things off. Then we kind of get um. You know, Ken, Ken Mills, uh, and we kind of, yeah, we're, we're shown his kind of nature. You know, the kind of dude he is. So, we're, we're, yeah, so we're like, you know, we under, now understand their characters, their characteristics, the kind of core sensibilities that make these dudes, uh, you know, the cats they are. And um, I think a big thing that jumps off at you straight away is, the you know, just the tone of this film. Just the way it's being shot, the color cues and everything like that. It really does feel like an old school flick. You know, it really has that kind of vibe to it. You know, that kind of sensibility. Which is... Yeah. You know, I think that definitely works I mean, you know, know, trying to think of it shot With, um, you know, looking the way a lot of new films do You just think, hmm, yeah, I don't think that would have worked So uh, yeah, that was definitely a um, a good call And it's, you know, it is interesting seeing all all the stuff that's going on, like the negotiations between Ford and Ferrari, like all of that stuff. That like it's interesting because you're like, oh, so that's what happened. There's the animosity. Okay. Right. I understand. Um but you're I wasn't really yeah, I was interested. Yeah, I wanted to know what happened, but I wasn't kind of invested. I wasn't like pulled into the film. Now, it's not until I think Daytona, like the Daytona race, that you you know, you're suddenly like, ooh, okay, I'm in it now, yeah, I'm in this, and I think the thing that did it, like the biggest thing that drags you into the film, was um, the racing scenes, the w- and, and the way it's shot, the way they're shot, the way the camera moves around the track, the way... You get pulled in To like the wheels And the hubcaps and then You know the acceleration And like you know some shots Are kind of looking up And some are like f- a- Along the side of the car uh You know some Inside the car So you really get this sense of speed Especially in like the overtaking manoeuvres Like the changing of the gears All of that All of that is captured So well You're you're, you're really in it And so I think Yo, that race You just felt it You felt the energy You felt the um. Yeah, the importance of it all, because it was an important race, but, you know, it's just like, okay, yeah, fine But when you feel like you're in the car, it really kind of resonates even more with you So I thought that was great then it's back to just the film, and it's just like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. that's cool, yeah, I'm cool But then back in it with Le Mans, so I thought that was great You know, I think without those racing bits, it's an interesting film You know, just that, but yeah, with the way the races are shot you really that helped bring it to life for me. I would say um Damon is very good as um Carol Shelby. I think you definitely I think you understand the connection between him and Bale. You know, you understand their relationship. And although they don't always agree. That They've got each other's backs You kind of get that Um, Bale is very good The accent Is slightly jarring It is a bit Like you do kind of feel It's like You know Kind of Van Dyke-y That's like Yeah One of the biggest things You're just like Oh, uh, no, yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely a little Van dyke which is funny, because he's English, you know, he's English, but the English accent is jarring as hell, which, I don't know, I don't know if it is actually jarring, or just the fact that we kind of usually... Hear an American accent of sorts, you know, coming out of his mouth So then to suddenly flip to English, it's just like, huh, that doesn't seem right But I just think it's, I do think it is more the jarring than that, you know Um, But it's fine, but he's acting as a whole is just really very good. You you do get the sense of this guy who just loves racing. But you know, he loves his family and he will do what's needed for them. And you do believe his relationship with um Caterina Balf, his wife Molly, um yeah, you definitely Believe in that relationship, which you know is very important because sometimes you don't. You know, there's been plenty of films where I, yeah, I'm just watching. I'm being like, I don't believe they're in love. I don't even believe that it doesn't seem that they're, you know, husband and wife or boyfriend girlfriend. But this, yes, this definitely works. Tracy Letts is very good as um Henry Ford. And it's funny because the last time I saw Tracy Letts He was in um The Lovers <laughs> At last year's festival And a completely different character <laughs> So yeah Like Josh Lucas was a very good Leo BB, Like a slimy motherfucker uh, 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 One role that I did think was a shame Was um Peter Mills You know um Ken's son played by Noah Jupe i like he didn't really have much to do like other than kind of sitting there and smiling or drawing like I don't think he was really he didn't have the real opportunity to kind of show his acting chops because he's a very good actor you know and and so that was a bit of a shame. I kind of felt, but um, yeah, acting-wise, this is all very good, like, it's great performances, the film is shot really well, I think the script is all believable, just, like, the tone of the film, like, the look of the film, it all really works, it really works, you're kind of sucked into that time period, I think for me the racing and the way the races are shot brought the film really to life Because without it, I kind of felt a slight disconnect, you know Like, as I said, it's good, but yeah, I wasn't invested I was interested but not wholly invested but the races helped add that connectivity for me um but yeah I would say if you like racing films yeah you're you'll really like this um there was a uh there was a racing film um let me try and think it was um Rush, that was the film I'm trying to think of For some reason in my head, um, Heath Ledger was in it But it was Chris Hensworth, yeah, so that That was a good film, and I think if you liked that You will definitely really enjoy Um, yeah, this film You'll you'll be a big fan of Le Mans 66 So, um there are other opportunities To see it uh, It will be playing tomorrow Friday the 11th of October At 2pm At the Odeon Lux Leicester Square um, And It will be hitting Cinemas A You know on an, a, It's actual release on the 15th of November uh, So yeah if you can't make the, uh, the 11th of October, 15th of November But the, um, the, 5th, the uh, 11th screening will be an accessible one um, So uh, it's going to have audio description Headphones will be available on request So people, yes This was Laman 66 Otherwise known as Ford vs Ferrari, um, directed and produced by James Mangold, Pro- also produced with Peter Chernin, um, Jeno Topping, um, starring Matt Damon, Christian Bale, John Bethnal, Chris, Bella, Tracy Letts, Noah Jupe, um, yeah, definitely check it out. There are some subtitles. In the film, not a lot. So yeah, I don't know what happened in any of those scenes, but it didn't take me out of the film. It was just fine, you know. So um, yeah, Lamon66 people. Okay, so that was the review. I hope it was helpful. Now we're gonna get down with um Natalie Baincherry. So um yeah. You know, enjoy it, people. Um, it was a, a a real interesting conversation, and it it kind of ironed out just a couple of the things that I wondered about about the film. So um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and if you are wondering, I think the review is in episode um seven, volume seven of our. London Film Festival special editions of Echo Chamber. So you can go back to that one to check it out. But let's listen to what Natalie has to say, eh? Okay, so I'm here with Natalie Bankeri who is the director of Nocturnal. Natalie, thank you very much for your time. Um I was wondering with um, nocturnal, how did that idea come around?
1: So um, I was brought the script uh, by uh, the producer Colin, and it was a script that was originally written by Olivia, who's the main screenwriter of the film, and she had been developing it for a number of years. And I remember I was um, it, I was in Berlin actually at the festival, and I kind of I didn't know Colin. He'd seen my short films and was interviewing directors for the role and really liked my work. And I kind of, I read the sort of log line, let's say, of, of what the, the film was. And I just finished rereading Lolita, uh, the, oh, yeah, yeah. the Nabokov uh, book, which I love. And I just thought it was such a strange coincidence because I was thinking so much about this book and those themes and this r- ambiguous relationship between this older man and this younger girl. And and um, and so I was very, very drawn to the, to the topic initially. And then I think I started. Then, kind of um, at some point, I sort of took over the, the writing of the, the of the script because, you know, in the end, I'm let's say I'm more of an art house director, I suppose. So I needed to find my own voice within yeah. this um, within this world. And I think the the question became for me who is this man, you know? This really was like one of the driving things, like why is he so unable to tell his daughter that mm. he's the father? And I think like the kind of examination of that question and his um, character actually shaped how kind of the script developed and also how, how I wanted to film it. So initially the script was a bit more, let's say it had slightly more thrillerish elements and the right. reveal was, um, it was done through kind of like, we discovered he was the father much like at the end, pretty much, and kind of through bits of evidence. Um, While I realized that what interested me the most was not so much what the quest was, whether he was, the father, or not, or a creep, or a you know pedophile, but why he was behaving like this too, yeah. and so kind of a, a, a big decision for me was to reveal that he was the father. Let's say I think you understand it around 20-30 minutes now in the film. That's where it's supposed, how it should be. I don't know how how it reads with the audience, and um, and basically so that then you, the tension at first is yes, like you know what's happening between these two characters, and then it becomes. How? What is he going to do, you know? Like, does he have a sexual interest in her? Does he, it seems like he wants to tell her, but why can't he? Mm-hmm. And if he has these obstacles, why does he have these obstacles? Yes. Like, what is the vulnerability as a man, as a human being, that impedes him from facing this? And I didn't really want to offer, a, I think, answers to this. I don't know if there is one specific one, but I guess... I think it is kind of a portrait of broken masculinity, you know, in a small town with probably no real father figure of his own, you know. His relationship with women are super dysfunctional.
0: Yeah, we kind of see that from that opening scene um, when he can't really... It's like, yeah, no, it's cool. I like it the way it is. It's just like, it's not the thing to say. It's not the thing to say, man. Yeah, so I think, you, yeah, we kind of got the... Um, he's bad with communications in that situation so yeah it was kind of be like all right what are why why can't he do this why can't he broach that thing with her so that was interesting
1: i think it like it was a big challenge also because of course you know you're told like in scripts and in films like you need real obstacles you know and i don't necessarily believe that those obstacles are always so literal you know mm. like most often of course they're inside of, uh, inside of ourselves you know and so in his case there was nothing yes of course there's slightly this social class element you know he feels very inadequate he feels like a failure yes but you know i think the 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 big issues were also are for him a, a huge fear of responsibility you know that he has like does he even want to be a father you know what does that mean and and so i think what for me was always like also a concern like will it will i pull it off is is will we understand him enough even though there's nothing really tangible to sort of show why he can't tell her you know will it be just a frustrating experience or will we kind of embrace this character and kind of start questioning it and giving answers to ourselves so mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the most important things for me in the film that I really hope people sort of take away those thoughts and they don't just read it as like, you know, there's this tension throughout the film, but I wouldn't want it to just be about that, you know. I would want it to yeah. be sort of something slightly more, I guess, with like a question mark behind it.
0: Yeah, no, no, I, I think we do kind of pick that up. But also, it seems that Laurie has difficulties. Like, she doesn't really seem to have any real friends There's the one older girl she's hanging out with But no one really else And we kind of get clues that She was either in a relationship that ended Or is an infatuation that everyone found out about But there's like, yeah It's like she's trying to find something And you don't actually think that she loves pete but it's just like pete is there so well we should do this right that's what you do in this situation it seemed more like that than oh i really love this guy like is that the kind of intention you wanted
1: completely actually like completely because for me they're very lonely those two characters you know and she's lonely hers i suppose like uh, you know, she's at that. Of course, she's a teenager, and it's difficult. She's moved back to this place, as you say. Not many friends. Da da da. Like, you know, there's this Danny Kind of what? What was going on there? She had this little thing. She kind of still likes him, but. But I mean, I guess they're less. You know, it's their. I'm not saying they're less. Um, uh, they're not less big problems, but they're less permanent than Pete's in a way, because she's just at that stage of her life. Yeah. But she is lonely, you know, and. Um, and something that also I always thought of, that it was kind of, I guess the the what united them, is that they are both sort of outcasts in some way, both feeling very lonely, and they both think that seduction is somehow the tool to dispel this loneliness, and to and and they and it's the only instrument that they have at their disposal, because, you know, Laurie being a teenager you know it's like such a sexualized environment and this as you say like it feels like he's just there that's Mm. what you're supposed to do and i do think you know she likes him she kind of does become infatuated with him, but again it's like why you know really it's just and with him of course he's not seducing her but at the same time it's kind of all he's ever known is like to be around women is to sort of kind of you know he's quite popular with the ladies Cosmo's a handsome man like you buy it you know and I think he just uses that pattern even though it's with his daughter so yeah this this thing of um, of just them being kind of like uh, united by this unfortunate choice of kind of using seduction as a, as a way to get rid of their own loneliness um, I always found very interesting in fact um, about that dynamic
0: yeah because he doesn't try and make it work with Jean. Like, that's not even a fault. It's not like, oh, she's back. Oh, and I've got a daughter. Well, I'll, I'll try and talk to Jean and I'll introduce myself to my daughter. And it, th- there's none of that. It's just, oh, do you want a cigarette? Or, and these fumbled attempts to try and talk to Laurie, which are just, yeah, a bit weird. I mean, in, in some way, there's parts of it that reminded me of a film called Copenhagen. Did you ever see that? I
1: haven't. No, I haven't seen it. But should I watch it?
0: Uh, oh, yeah, it's a really good film. I saw it on Netflix uh, a, a couple of years back. So I don't know if it's still on there. Or that. I think it came out in 2014. I think it was that. But it's a really good film. It's an interesting film. In, because in that one, there is ambiguity around... A lot that's going on And so in your film We don't get a This is Laurie Her situation is this This is Pete His situation is this Like Was was that kind of The, the, the full all the way To not give too much away On the characters And where they are And just try and Let the audience Kind of just Find that empathy in them You know what I mean Because we've all been in Laurie's situation Of like "Ah, oh, Who who do I like How do I initiate How do I find my way In all of this And and I'm sure there's been people In a Pete situation So it was just like If I don't put too much Labelling on them People can find their own way In to relate with them
1: yeah yeah i think so i think um probably like in general as a as a filmmaker my tastes are are mostly for films that have very little kind of exposition in general and that you do sort of jump into into those characters and i kind of also felt like you know perhaps you know you do get a bit of it of course much more towards the end but i also felt like well at the beginning i wanted to retain some mystery as well with Beat and give us the sense like oh is he, you know, what's the deal with this guy? You know, like I didn't want to give away so much about what his, you know, obviously what had, what had, that he had a daughter, that Laurie was his child, you know, like that, that wasn't something I wanted to initially kind of. Um, let out. So that was part of keeping him slightly, you know, shooting him from behind, for example, not showing his face. Those were all very premeditated choices in terms of also because is very expressive and his, his, I think he can, he, he brought an enormous vulnerability to Pete, uh, which I love. Um, and I think it was like really like something that he as an actor just brought with him. He's such a method actor. he, had this sort of sense of how he wanted to be Pete very much. But I knew that if I shot so much of him, you would be able to already tell the way he looks at her from the very beginning that this is not, there's no danger here. You know, this guy's good, like he's, so so a bit of it was um, was to try and kind of preserve that, and with Laurie I tried to give a little bit more context, you know, in terms of that she had just, she was new and, you know, just so that it didn't feel completely random that she would start meeting him, but, um, but yeah, I guess like I thought, it's such a slight story that I felt like it was more interesting to watch them kind of unfold and then gather those things as you went, because... Kind of, I think if you explain too much, there would be very little film in it in the end, do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, yes, because I think at first, when you, when they're together, you do fear. <laughs> I, I was just like, oh no, I don't know if I could watch him kissing her, this, this could be weird, this could be very weird. But then you get to a point where you're like, oh, no. I don't think there is anything sexual on his point of view So what is this? And then I think it was a little bit before I did kind of think Oh, I think he might be uh, her so there was that But I did wonder what was the decision For her to finally get in the car Because you know, at first she's a bit like, ugh what are you? No. Like, you're too old. I'm not hanging with you. And then it was suddenly, she's in the car. So did you, was there ever a, a, a sequence shot that explained that? Or were you just from the beginning like we don't need to do that?
1: Look, um, I think for me, uh, the motivation, like her motivation is mostly, you know, Danny appears at the court and he's like, and she hears that he's going to this club, right? So it's not like, obviously she doesn't, she's not as sort of quick on her feet as to think in that moment, oh, I'm going to get in the car with this guy. But as things kind of unravel, she has this burning disappointment that you know Danny and Ruby have this going on blah blah she knows that he's going to be there those guys are taking the piss piss out of her and they're like oh you're getting yourself a boyfriend which even though like what's such a lame kind of diss Mm. I think it actually triggers something in her which is like well actually you know I mean he, he is a bit of a creep but he's he's kind of funny you know as well he makes the joke about the hydrochloric acid like he's yeah. not just weirdo he's kind of has something so I think for me it's like a little bit the ensemble of those things again he asks, he invites her out but he does not in a less slightly creepy way it's broad daylight as opposed to night and, yeah. Yeah. you know and I think so I think she's like you know what I'm going to get a lift it's that kind of like impulsive teenage kind of feeling like um but then when she's in the car for me it should be suddenly she's like oh god you know like yeah. what have i done where are yeah, we yeah, going yeah. you know yes. um so yeah it's i think like she feels so safe in that context of the school the girls are there he's there he's funny blah, blah. it feels like an okay it's gonna be mm. fine and then it's a bit like uh you know i could imagine that if you saw her Which we never did. We we shot the film in seventeen days, so like everything that we shot is in the film. (laughs) Uh, Really, like almost every single thing. Um, but I would imagine that like she's getting into that car, she would be a bit like, you know, you would feel Mm. this kind of. Oh, but you know, probably they they meet in front of the arcade. So again, there's people. There's this is fine, and then suddenly they're driving out to the city, and it's like ah, you know. Yeah,
0: when you start to ponder, did I make the right? I'm so sorry Yeah so yes That makes sense and especially I think When you're younger you're a bit more Reckless you're like eh, Nothing can touch me so I'm just gonna do This Now um, were, When you were planning the film out Because it's 17 days and that's not long did, Like did you Kind of envision Every point of the film Or was some of it just like Well this is what I want to get And I'll just try and shoot.
1: Basically, not only did we shoot it in seventeen days, but we also we were greenlit pretty much this time last year. And had to shoot on the thirtieth of November.
0: Right.
1: No heads of department, no locations. Didn't even know where I was going to shoot. Like they were like Yorkshire. Never been to Yorkshire. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, it yeah. was mental. And um, the only way. So I, I like my DP and all my heads of department that I normally worked with were obviously busy and series and stuff. So I met my cinematographer, who's Polish and brilliant. Um, But through a friend, you know, like I I was looking, of course, at many, many, many cinematographers. I really loved his work. I thought he was great. But we we kind of met and started working together, like literally like full on, like boom, you know, uh, three weeks before shooting. So the way we dealt with this, the only way to do it was basically plan everything. We shot the whole film on his phone before shooting. Yeah and blocked almost everything the only scene that we left to more improvisation was the reveal scene where where yeah, they are on yeah. drugs and stuff because that was really important to me to give some freedom but otherwise we just did it super precise it was the only way through you know so
0: yeah okay that makes it and do you have a release date
1: uh, I don't think we do yet. I'm not sure. I should probably know this, but we'll have to ask the producers. I'll text them later and let you know. No clue, cool. in fact.
0: No worries. Um. So, is there a way people can follow you and keep track of, you know, all that you're doing, so they know when this will be coming out?
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm I'm on uh, Instagram, Natalie Biancari. I also have a production company called Feline Films in Ireland. Um, we have a film. My next film is going to be shooting next year. So so yes, I think, I guess, maybe Instagram, Twitter, I've just signed up to Twitter, so <laughs> don't even know how to work it, but, but maybe that will be my next tool as well. So, yeah.
0: Okay, that's great. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that information in the, um, in the notes for people. Um, it's been really great talking to you, and I, I do think there is that kind of ambiguity, that mystery, that kind of, you know, in the film. So it'll be very interesting to see what you do next.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been really fun talking to you, and thanks. Uh,
0: thanks for the interview. No worries, Thank you. Okay, people. So that's it for another episode. We will be back tomorrow, day ten, and um, yeah. I'm. I've. I've lost track. I've completely lost track So I can't remember what films are tomorrow But there will be at least one film And another interview So um, yes We will see you then And remember check the episode details For um, release information And social media links Okay And there's also a link to the BFI So you can check out what films are left to see in these last few days. Alright people, catch you tomorrow.